The following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Comey Snake. Welcome to Escape from New York Minute, where we celebrate and analyze the dystopian classic one minute at a time. I am Molly Balin. And I am Eric Deutsch. And we welcome back for the last time, Steve Lasto from X Minutes Podcast and the Princess Bride Minute. Hey, ho! <laughs> yeah, so so chipper after spending so much time in Manhattan prison, Steve. <laughs> I, I, I love spending time in prison. <laughs> Best place in the world. <laughs> safe, safe as houses. <laughs> well, we are at minute 45, and minute 45 begins with Snake fleeing the crazies, then running down a scary walkway, and with crazies in pursuit, and ends with him reluctantly being saved by Cabby. Cabby comes back around. Yay, Cabby. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, anyone watching this movie, you know, Ernest Borgnine showed up, you know, maybe about 10 minutes ago or so, movie wise. And, you know, he's only in it for that couple of quick shots. Obviously, you know that that is not going to be the only time you see Ernest Borgnine in this in this movie. So it can't be much of a surprise that he has popped up again here if you're watching it for the first time. I know that not having watched it in many years, there was a part where he's like, yeah, Ernest Borgnine when he shows up. I forgot it enough to remember that he was in the movie at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, mind you, it's pretty early in the movie, but. Yeah, all good. <laughs> I mean, does that? And I, I have nothing to say about this minute until he shows up in the minute. I mean, does, does the, the first twenty-five seconds of just Snake running down the alley? I don't. Does it, do either one of you have anything until he pops up? Nope. His hair looks really good running <laughs> in shadow. It's very fluffy. It's kind of Breck girl. It's uh, yeah, it's pretty magical. So if you guys are watching at home, like you know, right around like fifteen seconds in. Man has good hair. I'm just saying. Oh, that is some good silhouette hair running, isn't it? Isn't it? It's just kind of romantic. It's really, it's like, ooh, it's just got the right bounce. So. <laughs> I wish my hair could do that. I wish my hair could do that. <laughs> I wish your hair could do that, too. <laughs> so, yeah, other than uh, dream snake hair. Um, yeah, nothing to look cabby for me. I will say this is quite a pose he um, he strikes when he sees Cabby, when he sort of grinds to a halt and draws the gun on Cabby. Yeah, like emerges from the shadow. Yeah. Like, oh, no matter who the hell, who's this guy? Oh, yeah, that guy I saw 10 minutes ago. I'd be willing to bet that's a trailer shot there. <laughs> Could be. We covered the trailer a long time ago. I have no memory. Me neither. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it. <laughs> it's just so, he looks so posed and so... Yeah. Yeah, I see. Poised and he's clean. And he's got that great hair. What did you get? Great hair. Yeah. <laughs> and that gun you described in such wonderful detail. <laughs> even like if you were to freeze it at the 35 second mark, let's say, even that's a great, even it probably was like a, that could have been used as a great production still of him just standing there with the shadows behind him holding the gun. It's just, it's a perfect pose. Mm hmm. If I were Kurt Russell and I were trying to pick up chicks, this is the picture I'd show them. This, is, <laughs> no! this would be my what 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 do people use to date on the internet now? This would be my my profile picture on that on <laughs> t- Tinder or whatever. 
<laughs> Ladies of Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> it's a hot picture for sure. And I mean, like, I think I'm, I'm not like, ooh, Kurt Russell, but like, yeah, it's, he's, you know, he lo- he's looking good there. So, you know, ha- hats off to him for that. I mean, this is really excellent framing, too. And, you know, we also are going to get crazies coming down this hallway. So from like a constructed shot sort of position, it's got a lot going on for it. And that you do have the, the hallway kind of in the left shot that's still kind of in the background that you can still see. Guy, I mean, they're not quite here yet because we're in you know the mid the 34 35 ish but they're gonna be rolling up on him pretty soon and it's really nice lighting in terms of him coming out of the shadows um and then i mean that cabbie shot is great where you have this rolling shot all the way up to the cab and then ernest borgnine popping up just in time for it to stop and him deliver his line so it's a really the cinematography in this minute is quite excellent so i have an ernest borgnine question for you guys yeah Ernest Borgnine has been in, was in, like, hundreds of things. Right. Um, most of those things are things I haven't seen. But at least one or two of them are things I really enjoy him in. And I'm curious if you have, like, one thing that you really tie, like, Ernest Borgnine back to. I mean, for, for me, it's this movie. Okay. That seems reasonable, considering you're doing a podcast about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had forgotten he was in the movie, so that's, it's not for me. Or at least it wasn't, wasn't really... Thinking about it, at least. Um, for me, it's the Poseidon Adventure. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Which I love. Yeah. And that's for me, too. When I think of Ernest Borgnine, I think of the Poseidon Adventure. I, I remember being absolutely blown away, but that the Poseidon Adventure was even a thing when I was a kid. It just gives me a panic attack, man. That's like the worst nightmare. <laughs> Be stuck I, under like that. Being on a cruise ship, that's the worst nightmare. Let, <laughs> let it flip over. That'd be a hell of a lot better. <laughs> That's a nice ship, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he pulls in in his yellow cab. It's actually called Yellow Cab Co. there on the door. A nice generic name. There is no actual Yellow Cab Co. to mm. the best of my knowledge. But since this is a movie in, set in New York City and yellow cabs are so synonymous with New York City, even this being this dystopian future prison, there are still yellow cabs. Why is he in there? What did Cabby do? <laughs> did he well, just not leave? Yes, that's exactly yeah, that, what it is. And in that fact, makes so much sense to me. Yeah, the key is he's, there's a line in this minute where he says, I've been a cabbie for 30 years. And I, I, I was a previous guest, actually, that kind of raised this to Molly and I were, that sort of felt like he was someone that just, he lived here. They said, we're turning New York into a prison. He's like, to hell with it. This is, this is my home. I'm not leaving. That he's not actually a criminal. This is where I get kind of like excited about this the way that I, like this is where I think I think I started thinking about DMZ a lot because there's like a little bit of world building here and you want to know more about this world. Mm. Um, you know, you want to know, you know, like you, you want to know how the Duke got to power. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You know, um, and, and like I want to know Cabby's backstory because that's like this is hilarious. This guy is still here. And he's fucking rocking, man, because he's got cassette tapes. <laughs> you know it's 90 and i mean i don't know how long cassette tapes are really a thing so this is kind of like cutting edge because i think it was an eight track right before cassettes because when i grew up there were i mean it was vinyl and cassettes and that was like the thing but the fact that the guy doesn't have like say an eight track like he's the man is hip to his shit and he's got the the modern music with him and he's got some sweet molotov cocktails in there too so he's way outfitted 
Well, now hold on, modern music. Hold on. This is the American Bandstand theme. <laughs> that he's but it's on here. tape. It's on yeah, tape. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he's got he he does have and and it's it's Chekhov's cassettes, by the way, as as we all know at the end of the movie with what happens here. Uh, they're showing the cassettes, and who knew that the cassettes would become such a big deal later on? Dun 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 dun. <laughs> but I mean, you know. It is the American Bandstand theme. I mean, it's it's he's not playing the big music. He's not playing some awesome seventies rock like ELO or Super Tramp or something like that. No, it's true. He's not playing some ELO or some Velvet Underground or what have you. That's fair. Um, but I am impressed that he is a a relatively early adopter of technology. Yeah. So there's something there. So and it, and even even put a sunroof in his taxi. Oh right, yeah doesn't come standard. <laughs> All right, now you have me wondering when cassettes came out exactly. Um, because I know that 8-tracks were not that popular. Right. I mean, I was born in 1975, and all my family ever had were cassettes and vinyl. So unless my parents had them before I was born or trashed it when I was just a baby or something, I don't know that my family ever had an 8-track. We had one. Um, but... I don't, I don't think we owned any eight tracks. I think we had it for the record player because my mom had a lot of records when she was like younger, um, which, for all I know, included included. She still has all those records, but tapes were tapes were around for. I'm, I'm looking at now. Tapes were around for a really, really long time. Um, but around the time this had, this would have come out, the Walkman around the time this movie came out, the Walkman was really sort of catching on. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I guess they were probably coming out in cars as well. That's probably a really big deal. You know, having a having a cassette deck in a car in like 1981, mm-hmm. 82, whatever. Yeah. When, what, yeah. What year does this come out again? 81. 81. I mean, that's a pretty sweet. That's a pretty sweet thing to have. And that's the yeah. thing. Is it's not. It's not even a cassette deck that came in the oh, that's car. Right, that's right. It's actually, it's a tape player. <laughs> it's actually a portable cassette player that he just has like stuck in the dashboard. And to have recorded those, he would have had to like a line in probably from his own you know, his own turntable or his own sound system. That's crazy. Or he did what what I used to do. He put his tape recorder next to the radio. That's so ghetto. And waited <laughs> the DJ played the song that he wanted with you know with record and pause on. And as soon as the song started, you unpause it and you, and you then you have the song. Oh man, that that's like the um, that's like the 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 eighties equivalent of putting an iPhone in a plastic cup to make a better speaker. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, let me give you a few more facts on this American Bandstand theme because I, I I think it's a great contrast to the John Carpenter score and what's happening in the scene. That's like the end of this nightmare chasing scene, and suddenly here comes the goofy American Bandstand theme. And interestingly enough, the the draft script it just says it, it doesn't have it it's not in the shooting script specifically mentions the american bandstand thing which is actually called bandstand boogie is is the official name of the song so i just i really like how it breaks the tension of what's been going on for the last few minutes yeah the transition is really amazing that was one of the notes i had as well where you have that tense john carpenter horror music that transitions into cabbie's soundtrack and it's the timing is really amazing. And it's kind of like this like kind of old school kind of upbeat kind of music too that also has this it's amazing how much the sound contributes that you have this 
fear-based music that transitions into something that, again, is shorthand into something that's very old. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't, it's not Prince, um, at least for this time, but something that's very old, something that's kind of happy and upbeat, and you emotionally now connect that there's some salvation here for Snake, and that Cabby's a safe guy, quote-unquote. He's safe-ish. He's safe for him, anyway. Sure. No, you're, if, you're not listening to American Bandstand theme if you're even... <laughs> <laughs> if anyone under the age of like 35 is actually listening to this podcast just so you know dick clark hosted american bandstand who you would know from, was the guy that did new year's eve every year he, he was a big deal and this was the show he hosts <laughs> i know I, we're talking I, about I, like cassettes no and shit that. no i mean that's <laughs> there's there's technology here that you know, was kind of coming out, you know, when we were coming up, because CDs, I remember being a thing. I bought my first CD when I was like mm, 13. So that was already, cassettes were, were coming out at that time. So there's, yeah, people who are in their 20s now who probably never had to deal with a cassette tape ever. Yeah, oh, I, was, I, I, was, I was a holdout. I was like one of the last of my friends that I, I just... I had so many cassettes. I was just like, I'm not switching over to CDs. I got I got all these cassettes. I'm not switching over. And then finally, I think it was after the summer between my freshman and sophomore year of college, which would have been 1994, I finally gave in, got a CD player, and started getting CDs. Ah. I got a CD player a little earlier than you, probably 1990, 90, 91, maybe mm-hmm. 1990 even. And two nights later, my 1979, that oh, must have been 1990, my 1979 Cutlass Supreme got broken into, and somebody stole all of my tapes. Oh! Whoa. So, it was kind of awesome, because like I had like a clean clean slate to rebuy, <laughs> rebuy music, which was a huge expense. I was like 18, 19 years old. But at the same time, I lost all of these like you know things that I had taped off of the radio and things like that, mm. um, or things that people had made me. I mean, not a lot, but you know, it was, it was a big hit. Oh, dude, that's like your house burning down. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> I feel for you, man. That's terrible. Yeah, that was um, that was some rough times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I kind of miss cassettes. Mm-hmm. I, I never had any nostalgia for records. Cause I always thought records were awful because they were just too easy to scratch. Mm-hmm. But cassettes might not been a, not have been high quality, but neither were MP3s or stream music, so they they kind of get a bad rap. Hmm. Well, I think there's a culture around cassettes too, because I remember because I graduated from high school in '97, and I had a friend who was kind of like you, Eric, was like a holdout with cassette tapes, and he used to make mixtapes, and he would just get into he was just a real music lover, so he'd get into like just weird shit and tape it for us and make specific tapes for people. And I feel like that's something, if I'm going to get on my fucking soapbox about it, that's something that we're missing now, that we can't really have this. And he would like make artwork and whatever on the tapes, but, you know, we're, we're missing this culture of being able to share music with one another in that way. Like, I think it was a, a very thoughtful and communal way of being able to share something and share art you know and i don't know how the kids do it these days <laughs> going on youtube or what but i would think Spot- spotify playlist probably yeah, yeah yeah but that's not the same man it's just not it's not like somebody sat down and really you know thought about you and took the time to tape something for you because it's a manual process you know it took effort i i, I want to um 
you know, for anybody that that wants to really dive deep into the art of mixtape making and how, because Molly is 100% right. Um, Nick Hornby's High Fidelity, not the movie, which is great, but the novel, um, whatever that lead character that John Cusack plays, um, talks a lot about mixtape making. At least one of the characters does. It. Maybe it's not Nick Hornby. Maybe it's not that that character, but talks a lot about mixtape making. And mixtape making was a serious, serious commitment. You had to spend time on that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you also had to time it out. You know, you had whether it was a thirty-minute side or a forty-five-minute side or even a fifteen-minute side. You had to make sure that you didn't have a tape a side run out while you were in the middle of a song. You had to keep track of how long you were had been recording and how much time you had left. And then you had to write liner notes, or not liner yes. notes, song, yes. song tracks in little tiny lines that yes. were like, you know, <laughs> 10 pikes high or something. <laughs> I mean, there's probably thousands of human beings that were born from the courtship of a mixtape. <laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> Young people, you were here from a mixtape. I'm just saying. <laughs> Or you were a twinkle in your daddy's eye. You were a, a thought to make a mixtape. <laughs> All you millennials, listen up. It's mixtapes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to call something out here for me and my fellow New Yorker here that Cabby mentions you don't want to be caught walking from the Bowery to 42nd Street at night. Who and does that? The, well, that's the thing. is The Bowery is <laughs> in lower Manhattan, so it's got to be about an hour walk from there to 42nd Street. So, like... Yeah, of course you want to be caught walking. It, it's it's a long ass walk. Why the hell would you walk day or night? Why the hell would you do it? They they I don't know if they play. I didn't look closely enough, but they might be playing a little fast and loose with geography here. Yeah, they, yeah. The, the movie does in general. Show. Yeah, um, but you know, I mean, it's um, I mean, here's the thing that you know, in the eighties you wouldn't do that. Right. I mean, you wouldn't be on in 1981. You would not be on the street, uh, the streets of the Bowery after midnight by no any way. stretch of the imagination. Right. I mean, the, the safest place in that area would have been probably CBGBs. Right. And that wasn't safe. <laughs> right. <laughs> I can prove. I can tell you. <laughs> it was great, but it wasn't safe. <laughs> I miss. I miss that. I. You know. Obviously, like nobody wants a New York like this. But I miss in New York that was sort of like, like that had that had some soul to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's it's funny. I tell people a lot of the times that you know, with what's gone on in Times Square in the last fifteen years, how it's just it's anywhere. It's been turned into just anywhere USA mm. with chains and, and yeah. restaurants and, and things. And, and it's it's you know obviously back in the eighties, I have memories of how disgusting Times Square was. But honestly, I, part of me prefers that to. Going, I, I I avoid Times Square like the plague now because it's just I, you know it's all tourists and it's all just it's not New York you know uh, and so I, I feel the same way. Yeah, I, I tend to avoid Manhattan generally, um, but you know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hardcore Brooklyn boy. Yeah, unfortunately I work in Manhattan, so I'm there five days a week. I um I I'm, I I feel your pain, <laughs> but, I, but but not very well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna uh, let. I'm gonna do another one of these. I'm gonna hit you with a question again yeah. here, Steve. Sign in your podcast. If you were arrested and convicted, would you rather be sent to Manhattan prison or the pit of despair? Oh, definitely Manhattan prison. I'm way. <laughs> I'm way too big of a whim for the pit of despair. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that um, 
people seem to be surviving in Manhattan prison. I, I think there's I think there's a world there. Um, I'm not sure what neighborhood I would aim for. Definitely more uptown, which is not what I would aim for in real life. <laughs> yeah. uh, I feel like I feel like I would probably be aiming Upper West Side. Well, let me ask, um, as as someone who actually lives in New York, uh, one. What kind of a duke would you be as Duke Steve of, of Manhattan? And what kind of a vehicle would you be pimping if you were said duke? Oh, shit. That's easy. Chevy Nova. <laughs> okay. Vehicle's easy. Um, I, I, I think I don't think I'm a what's the what's the real scraggly guy's name? Who's like the Duke second in command? No, Romero. Yeah, I think that's more my type. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I'm I don't think I'm a duke. You know, I, I I think I'd rather be the guy behind the guy in that mm-hmm. instance. You know, it doesn't, doesn't always work out, but yeah. In this case, I'm going to go for being the the vice duke. Good answer. Mm. But I definitely would have the Chevy Nova. <laughs> like, would you pow- do any powder yeah, blue? Powder blue. Would you do <laughs> any blue. extra accoutrement? The disco ball is fat. I'm mm. not so crazy about the chandeliers, the lamps, or whatever those are. Um, and. Um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> Might be time to wrap this up for me soon. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and the um, I like I like the disco ball. I think I'd go for. Some, oh, you know what, Eric? Remember the um, the Indian place with the chili chili pepper lights? Indian place with the chili pepper lights. There were these two dueling Indian places on like Avenue A in that Indian restaurant district, Avenue B. Huh. And they had tons of they were like like a zillion chili peppers, like a fire hazard. So <laughs> I, w- I would pit my car out with chili pepper lights. Nice. Cool. Uh, let everyone know one last time, Steve, where they can find all your stuff. Yes, please um, check us out at the com or xminutespodcast.com, two projects that um, I completed with um, Princess Bride with Jonathan Carlyle and X Minutes with Jerry O'Brien. Um, they're on Facebook and Twitter as well, and they're, all the episodes are in the iTunes store. And um, you know, if you love Princess Bride, you'll love that. If you love the X, if you love the X Men movies, man, do we go deep on the first X Men movie. So check us out. All right. Awesome. Thank you very much for joining us this week, Steve. If you want to chat with us, chat with us on Facebook in Brains Library, the Escape from New York Minute Hangout, or on Twitter, NY Minute Pod. Be sure to subscribe subscribe so you never miss an episode and rate and review us, please, very much. Thank you. And so until next time, be on time, stay out of the sewers, and we'll meet you on the other side of the wall. <laughs>